Welcome to another episode of the Mind the Best Future podcast. Jeremy, um, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you, Neil. Wonderful. And you're a long way from home at the moment, aren't you? I am indeed. Um, I'm actually sitting in a hotel room in Tashkent, which is the capital city of Uzbekistan. My goodness me, and it's actually pretty good that you're there, because today we're actually going to be talking about studying online, aren't we? We are indeed, yes. Going remote, studying online. Yeah. Which means pretty much you can do your bachelor's degree, well, anywhere. Yeah, I mean, remote learning is really a, an educational process where the students receive instruction through online classes, maybe video recordings, video conferencing, or any other audiovisual technology. And it really enables people to receive an education without having to be physically present in a classroom right. in a city. So you could be theoretically in Tashkent like you are now, but studying in the UK or in the States. Is that right? Very easily. Yes, Neil. Absolutely possible. Wow. That sounds incredibly exciting, doesn't it? It is. And it's a relatively but, but growing field, isn't it? Yes. I mean, obviously it received a huge boost during the COVID times when people weren't able to sit in a room together. So distance learning However, it does actually predate the COVID times. In fact, by many decades, surprisingly, right. it even predates the internet. Exactly. And I know that I have a friend who, who worked on, certainly in the school area, on the remote learning for kids who lived in the back end of Canada. I guess, is that where it comes from originally? I think so, yes. I mean, it was obviously used at the school level in fairly remote regions, like you mentioned, back, Inter back end of Canada. But also, or Australia. Yes, um, but also in many countries had a, a remote learning system at the university level. Like in, in the UK, they had a system that still exists, of course. It's called yeah. the Open University. In Germany, it was called the Fern Universität. And they, they used to send you books through the posts and assignments and lecture notes, and you'd have to read it all. Then you'd write your assignments by hand, probably, unless you had a typewriter. And then you would mail the assignments back to the tutor and receive feedback. Yeah, and I, I did my MBA in a sort of hybrid fashion of that. I got the books delivered. I read the books. But, but in those days, we were able to type on computers. But nevertheless, it was a, a, an online MBA almost completely. There were a few, few blocks where I needed to be in the university. But apart from that, it, it was. But now, of course, it's much easier. And the technology behind it, of course, is incredibly good. Uh, as you mentioned, through COVID uh, has been improved. And I think that now it represents a really strong option for many students, doesn't it? It does indeed, Neil. Okay, so what should a student be thinking about if they're considering going remote? There's quite a lot to consider, really. But before we get into the detail, it's worth clarifying that universities employ a variety of means to deliver their courses. So typically you have in-person. This is where you actually sit on the university campus in a room with your classmates. Then there is online, which, of course, everything happens online, a distance learning. And then they have hybrid courses. It's a mixture between the two. There are some lectures and presentations where you actually have to be there in the classroom and the rest is online. And then you have what they call multi-access. And this is a course where the students have the choice between either attending in person, in the classroom, on the campus, or they can go online and attend that way. Right, and so the difference between multi-access is normally you could be 
uh, completely online, couldn't you? Whereas hybrid, you need really to be physically present, don't you? Yes, you do. That's correct. Uh, however, in today's episode, we are going to focus on the online or remote courses because uh, these are the courses right. where students do not need to attend lectures at the university campus. And I guess there are real pros and cons to both of these approaches, aren't there? Yes. I mean, if, if we talk about online courses, pros and then cons, we'll just run through a quick list now. And then later on in the episode, we're going to dig into the detail the pros, the cost, they're usually cheaper um, in terms of tuition fees. The convenience, certainly, because you have access to recorded lectures and resources. Well, that's really important, isn't it? Because you can go back and review if you didn't quite get it. Yes. And perhaps uh, people who have other commitments, family, jobs, etc., they can't always be online at a sure. specific time. And you can also get through it quicker. It depends on how much time you're willing to invest. And also fewer distractions. If you just sit there at home in, in your room, you're not going to chit-chat with other people around you as you would if you're on a university campus. You can stay okay. at home, so there's no travel costs involved. You don't have to rent a room in a dormitory. Again, of course, that saves money. And uh, it's very flexible, as I said, with your time. Indeed. And the cons? Access to facilities, laboratories, things like that. Obviously, uh, okay. universities have extensive and expensive facilities. Maybe IT problems, if your internet connection is not so reliable, it could be, you know, your internet breaks down in the middle of a presentation. Social life as well, you sort of miss out on the uh, sort of interactions socially with your fellow students. So, and, and I guess sports and those kind of things as well. Yeah, uh, all of those sort of social interactions, right? Yes, that's correct. And work opportunities, work visas, because in many countries, if you travel to, say, UK, Canada, US, etc., um, once you graduate and finish there, um, you can stay on in the country and work. And, and we've done a great episode on that. We have, we, uh, yes. Uh, that, that really highlights that as one of the big advantages of studying abroad. I guess also, it's more than that, isn't it? Many students have the opportunity to live abroad, uh, live away from home, uh, part of their journey towards independence. Yeah, I think it's very important. I mean, a lot of 18-year-olds going to university, it's probably their first time away from home, and they're learning to cope on their own. And they're making friendships, support groups, um, if you're on a campus, that is. Uh, clearly, you don't have that if you stay at home and work online. And also, you make new friends. Um, if you go to a university campus, you'll be making friends probably from all over the world because they're very international, most universities. Right. And the whole collaborative teamwork. Yes, you can do teamwork online, I know, uh, but it's actually quite nice to sort of be there with your teammates, at least for part of the sure. time. So it's something that, that may suit some people, but not others, depending on their sort of circumstances, I guess. Yes, very much so. Universities, of course, are wonderful places to go to, uh, but it doesn't suit everybody. And of course, some people right. can't manage it time-wise or cost-wise, or perhaps it's too far away from home. There are many reasons why a student may prefer to do online study. But these remote courses are certainly here to stay, aren't they? And in fact, it's a huge and growing market because obviously for universities, it means that they can attract university students from everywhere, um, which is obviously very attractive to them. I mean, it's a good point you make there, Neil. If you imagine if, if a university is funding a course and they feel that they have space for 100 students in the classroom, then again, they get income from 100 students. But if they push that course out online, um, they can get income from potentially thousands of other students. Indeed. And so Indeed, and there are some courses online that do have 
yeah. thousands of students, aren't there? And, and I know that some universities offer it so that you're basically online, but there are people who are present as well. So that's a sort of mixed opportunity as well. Let's dig into the detail because I'm really excited about this and would like to know more. You mentioned earlier about cost, generally cheaper. Yes, it's normally cheaper for a university to provide an online remote course, and this is normally reflected also in the tuition fees that they charge. And remember, if you do remote learning, you don't need to actually go to another city, another country, sure. rent a room, and all the other costs associated with traveling to a university. So for you, the student, you may be getting cheaper tuition fees, but you will save a lot of money by staying at home. And it's important to say that these degrees are uh, considered equivalent to the degrees that are given when you are physically present, aren't they? Yes, I mean, you don't have to travel anywhere. We just mentioned you don't have to go to a new country, a new city, but you don't even need to walk around the campus because that takes time no, going dude. from one lecture to another. You just stay at home in, with your laptop and switch smoothly from right. one to the next. But the bit of paper at the end, Joe, is, is the same bit of paper. Yes, it is. You graduate with the same degree as those who are on the campus. Okay. And I guess you mentioned it, it's more convenient. But of course, the structure of the course, will it be identical to an, a course that is uh, delivered in person? Or do they have different kind of structures for these courses? Well, a traditional sort of on-campus university bachelor degree is normally three years or possibly four, depending on the country. Um, right. But if you are taking a, an online course or distance course, um, they usually give you options whereby you can actually go through the course at your own pace. You might mm. only want to study part-time because you have other commitments. And so you have that flexibility to stretch the number of years uh, which it takes you to graduate. Or do it quicker, perhaps. Or do it quicker, you, yes, uh, yes. If you really want to get it done, indeed. Yeah. And I guess one of the big pluses is, of course, just, as you mentioned earlier, fewer distractions, really. If you're somebody who can, who's good at working on their own, who's good at focusing, uh, then you can get a lot done, can't you, in an eight-hour period uh, if you're working hard on your own on something that, which is really clean and uh, you know, logically laid out. Yes, I discovered this for myself during COVID when I was doing well, home office or distance work, if you like. Um, it was astounding how much I could get done in eight hours because I wasn't walking around the building. I wasn't chatting to colleagues. I was just there on my own with my laptop. And of course, there are the downsides as well. You mentioned one of the big ones is uh, certainly I know you felt it uh, mm. through the pandemic was that feeling of isolation. Yes, uh, clearly it, you, you still lack that face-to-face -face interaction with the instructors and the other students. And some students find it difficult to get the support they need or a disconnect, if you like, from the learning process because it mm. does become somewhat remote or distant. But nevertheless, most people manage to overcome this. Yeah, especially people who've developed a lot of experience through the pandemic. I mean, obviously, remote learning isn't for every course, is it? You mentioned earlier that I guess things like engineering and medicine and the sciences, basically, and of course, the visual arts are very, very difficult to deliver online and probably aren't the main focus of, of remote learning. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, th there are some courses which lend themselves better to remote learning, but yeah, things like art and engineering. Yes, you can do them online, of course, but it's probably more challenging, I would say. Okay, have you got any top tips for students who are considering going remote? 
Yes, indeed. A shop around worldwide. The course right, is, well, it doesn't, worldwide, of course, yeah, it doesn't matter where. It doesn't matter where, it's just the internet. It could be anywhere. Uh, you just, oh my goodness, that is, that's quite a bit, a different way of looking at things, isn't it? Yes, it is, because when people are shopping for sort of normal university courses where they actually have to go and live there, um, they, they usually restrict themselves to certain countries, certain oh. price categories. But when you're shopping for an online course, you can cast your net far and wide. Okay, any others? Yep, look for the flexibility that suits your need. We talked briefly about the fact that you can uh, go through these courses at your own pace. You could, of course, study, say, part-time, half-time, full-time. And if you need that flexibility, then just that that course offers you those options. Right, indeed. And I guess, like everything in the internet, you need to make sure that you're dealing with a university that is bona fide, that is actually real. Oh, yes. And make sure that it's a properly accredited university. And what this means is it's accredited by some recognized government organization, usually the education ministry, um, because it's important for you. If you're going to do a bachelor degree at a university, you'll probably want to go and do a master's degree afterwards. And right, if you, you do a bachelor degree at a university that's not accredited, you won't be able to move on because your bachelor degree will not be recognized by the university that's offering the master's degree. So it's very, very important that you get a properly accredited university. And I think, honestly, in this work realm, it's probably really important, more, perhaps more important than when you physically attend to actually check the credibility and the credentials of the organization that's offering because there are organizations out there that appear to be very credible, but in fact uh, are not. Absolutely right, Neil. There's a large number of organizations offering courses online, but you need to check carefully, double check back with the, perhaps with the Ministry of Education in that country. Indeed. And I guess the usual things apply as well, don't they? Yep. Find the right major, find something which interests you, something you actually want to study. It's very important because you need to be engaged in the course, in the study. It should be an enjoyable experience for you. Right, indeed. And of course, uh, the great thing about going online, going global, is that you're quite easily able to compare costs, you know, compare like with like. Yes, indeed. I mean, costs, of course, vary hugely uh, from one course to another. Yeah. And, but it also allows you, if the university is charging less, perhaps to access a more prestigious, more expensive university than you normally would be able to if you were attending in person. That's a good point. I mean, if you want to go to a prestigious university, you may well find that their online course is cheaper than their on-campus course. And as we mentioned before, you'll save things, that, uh, save on things like air tickets, accommodation, food, and miscellaneous Which is huge, expensive. right? And, huge. You know, that's, a, that's usually at least a half, if not two-thirds of the cost structure of studying. Yeah. There are all the other associated costs. And so you could uh, comfortably argue that you could use some of that money, uh, add that into the tuition fee, and apply for somewhere that is would be normally out of your price category, out of your price range, I guess. So, it's a very good uh, point, Neil. Yeah, you can sort of shift some of that accommodation money across towards sure. tuition fee money. Yeah, indeed. Okay, so what does studying remotely actually look like in, in many cases? I guess it's different and diverse depending on where you go, of course, but could you give us a sort of I don't know, example. I thought you'd ask me that question, Neil. So I went to one of the oldest established providers. That's the Open University in the UK. 
to take They've a look. They've been doing it for years, haven't they? Yeah, it was actually founded back in 1969, and as we mentioned, oh that's way before the internet started. And it cu yeah. it currently has over 150,000 students worldwide. Goodness me! Which actually so make it makes it Britain's biggest university. In fact, it's probably one of the big biggest in the world. I should imagine. Yeah, by far, I would imagine yeah. too. I mean. Uh, University of British Columbia is considered big, and they've got, I think, fifty-five to 60,000 yes. uh, students. So that is an enormous organization. What does it look like at then the Open University? I was curious to know uh, how they structure their courses, so I had a little look yeah. on their website. And so uh, obviously you have to go and register uh, on the website, and then you will receive a week-by-week -week study planner. And okay. then there's the assessment section outlining what you have to do for each assignment and, of course, when they're due, the deadlines. Then you get a tutorial booking system. This is an online room where you have your yeah. tutor's contact details. Then you have module forums where you can discuss topics with other students. You can complete collaborative wow. work and get extra help, of course, if you're stuck. And all the online... PDF and accessible formats of your module materials and resources are right there. Wow, that's really comprehensive. You. So you get it the is. resources and you get the, we were talking about Oxbridge in a previous episode and uh, with the tutorial system, you're getting that support. And of course, you're being able to work in teams with your students, I guess, from all over the world, potentially. Yeah. So what this actually looks like in, in your studying your module, your module website will be broken down into study week. And in each okay. week, you'll have a mixture of reading, videos, recordings, interactive activities to go through. So wherever you can get an internet connection, you'll be able to study. So you'll have your own student homepage, much like students right. normally have. There you can see all the courses and modules you've studied or are studying. You can access your module website. You can submit and collect your assignments. You can choose and enroll on your next module. You can get okay. access to the Help Center, a fantastic resource which offers general study skills advice, as well as information about the Open University. So that's all there in your student homepage. My page. goodness me. And I guess there's an online library as well, is there? Oh, access to the library. It's huge. Um, online library, yes. Journals, magazines, academic books, newspapers, dictionaries, encyclopedias, you name it, and they've got it. There is a library help desk uh, available seven days a week with a 24-7 chat service. If you have any questions, will they drop into the chat bot? bot. Um, I'm not sure what their chat bot's called. They tend to have these weird names. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. tend not to answer any of my questions either, but that's another matter. I thought it was just me they didn't like me. They don't answer my questions No, they don't either. like me either. <laughs> Maybe they don't like my English. They never actually give me what I want. No. And, and these tutorials, how do they work? Before we finish on the library bit, you will have access to other university libraries in the UK and also in Ireland. So that's a massive right. amount of books. Right, indeed. Tutorials, yeah. Each module you study, um, you'll be assigned a tutor, just as you would in a normal campus university. And your tutor will mark your uh, assignments and provide detailed feedback, obviously. And he will guide you to the right learning resources in order to improve your work and provide you individual guidance. So that's quite important. Wow. And how much time? Is it flexible or is it, it sounds quite structured to me. How would that work? The number of hours you'll need to put into studying will depend on how many credits you're taking. And so per week, it would probably look like 
If you were, for example, studying part-time, let's say you can allocate 16 to 18 hours a week of your time, that would mean you could study 60 credits. And that would also mean it would take you about six years to complete. Now, yeah. if you were to go for full-time, say 32 to 36 hours a week, or double, it would only take you three years to complete because you have to do 360 credits for your bachelor's degree. So your time... Okay, these are UK credits, aren't they? Yes, and they are. It's three to one, isn't it, uh, with North America? Yes. Basically, a North American credit is worth three European credits, uh, if I remember rightly. Is that correct? Yeah, it's normally like 120 to graduate, and here, of course, it's 360. But, I mean, the principle is the same. You need to sit down at the beginning and figure out how you're going to get your 360 credit, which units or modules you're going to take, in, and how many credits each unit or module gives you, because, of course, that varies from one unit or module to another. So quite interesting, really. And it needs some careful planning. It does. And I think uh, certainly the Open University, I know, is actually really rigorous and requires a, oh, yes. a lot of commitment, doesn't it? It's not like an easy option we're talking here. Um, you know, when they, off, you know, when you're on campus and you go along to lectures, you can sort of sit not focus or whatever. But online, uh, there's a high level of rigor for well-regarded courses, isn't there? Yes, and I think what, one of the major differences is, I mean, I've spoken to many people who have done the online course, also people who've worked with the Open University. They basically said to me, you kind of start off with this rush of enthusiasm and you sign up for lots of modules, but as the months and years roll on, the challenge yeah. is to maintain your energy and your motivation and commitment because... You are basically doing this alone at home, probably sitting in your bedroom with your laptop. Uh, whereas if you're on a campus, you're with a group of students who are in the same position as you and you sort of pull each other along and motivate each other. So you do need to be the sort of person that can work independently and the sort of person who is highly motivated to actually get through and succeed. Interesting, Jeremy. I'm in, in Moscow at the moment, in Oman, and I was in a shopping mall uh, yesterday, doing a bit of shopping, and I came across a, a sort of a, one of those drop-in office uh, setups, uh, uh, looking very great. And one of the groups of people they were marketing at were students who were learning online. And the idea was that you could come there and sit with the same group of people in a coffee shop work-style atmosphere, but be in Oman, but be studying in America. And so maybe there are options opening up around the place that allow you to get out of your bedroom uh, and sort of go somewhere uh, to do your work, but at the same time, stay nearby home. I was interested by that. It's a very interesting development because then you have a bit of social contact with other people who are also studying online. And there, there are other people studying perhaps in different places in the, on earth, but they're all sort of doing the same kind of thing. Fascinating. And you mentioned earlier tuition for um, the Open University cheap. Not particularly. I mean, basically, the numbers crunch out like this. For example, if you were to do the full honours degree, a bachelor degree, the full That's 360 good. credits with the Open University, it would bring you to just a little over £21,000 right. for the full course. For the whole course, for the for whole three course. years. Let's yeah, say. yeah, exactly. If you were doing full-time for three years. Yeah. And if you were doing it, that as a typical UK university... Uh, as an international student, 
Yeah, I mean, of course, the prices vary a lot from one UK university sure, to another. But an average price, I would say, of an international student on a UK university campus for three whole years be about £55,000. So you're saving yourself about 34000 more or less. Right, so less than half price. Yes, so obviously... And then, of course, you don't have living costs, you don't have all of those. So you're probably... The total cost of study is about a quarter of what it would be if you went uh, to the location itself, I would imagine. Yes, it would be. Okay. And I think maybe it's important to, to sort of zoom in a little bit on, on the benefits of studying a remote course. We've talked about some of the challenges, but the benefits can be significant, can't they? Yes. I mean, from an educational learning perspective, there are a lot of advantages here. Uh, you've got the multimedia option. You've got these choices of learning, uh, really unlimited. You might have yeah. quizzes to, to participate in, screencasts, videos, and a lot of other sort of IT functionalities as well. Uh, I think it's really important, that one. I mean, when I remember my son through uh, the pandemic, he, uh, his course went online. And obviously there were lots of disadvantages, but one of the big advantages was that he could go back and review the lecture yes. again and again if he wanted to, if he got stuck or he didn't understand it. Whereas if you're there in person and your best friend's sitting next to you and he passes you a joke at a critical moment, you've lost it. It's gone. And uh, certainly for him, having the ability to go back and look at the screencast and look at the lecture again really enhance his ability to prepare for exams and for papers. Um, and that's the, there's that flexibility as well, isn't there? Yeah, we sort of touched briefly on this earlier. I think that the flexibility is that you can take lessons whenever and wherever you want. And that's really Indeed. it in a nutshell. It gives you a lot of choice and it allows you to sort of tailor your study time with the other commitments you may have going on in your life. And I think, think for many people, that is really significant as well, isn't it? Because yeah. in reality, there are lots of people who aren't morning people. Yeah. And there are lots of people who like working late into the night and they're at their best when they are working in the evening. So, um, and so being able to break away from that uh, sort of traditional got to get to the lecture by half past eight mm -hmm. uh, in the morning does offer people the ability to study when they're at the most effective and most powerful. Half past eight, Neil. You and I are both morning people. We've been up for hours, but we, do, sure. we, we do understand that not everybody is like us. But I think seriously, yes, this whole flexibility is really, really important. And I mean, you mentioned like people study better in the morning or the evening, but there are also people who have work commitments. They have to continue okay. their jobs. And this is where it really comes into its own, I think, that if you find yourself in a job and you want to advance in your career, you may need to take some further qualifications. And the online courses are a wonderful way to achieve that. They really are. The other thing that they're very powerful at, I think, is tracking your progress over time. And of course, you mentioned the other area, which is the access to unlimited resources. Let's talk about tracking First of all, in a physical classroom, you often have to sort of set up your own spreadsheet or something and sort of try to monitor how you're doing. The university sometimes has a tool that allows you, but it's all a bit ad hoc, isn't it? Whereas when you're studying online, that's a different world. Yes, because you're going to have your own little portal on the university website and you can track exactly what you've done and your tutor can as well. 
and he or she can then upload your, your grades, your results, etc., into that, and everyone can see what's happening. Yeah, and it's very structured, isn't it? Very transparent. Very. Yes. And and it doesn't allow you to hide, but it also doesn't allow the lecturer to hide either. And, and so everyone is held accountable on the online platforms, aren't they? Yeah, very much so. Uh, everything has to be done by deadlines from your perspective and also from the lecturer's perspective. Indeed, and that it makes it you know. Also, the other thing I think from my angle is that it ensures that you do get access to high quality uh, study materials. Uh, they've usually been vetted by the university themselves, not just the, the lecturer. Uh, often at university now, they'll, the lecturers will, in person, will use their own resources. And sometimes they're great and sometimes they're not so great. Whereas online, there's a, a high level of quality control, isn't there? Yes, there is, because they've had the time and experience to actually build up these resources and, as you say, to quality control and to check them and update them as well. Okay. Now, we've talked a lot about the pros and the cons earlier of taking a remote course. Where should a student start looking if they're interested in finding um, a remote course or considering studying remotely? Okay, first of all, take time to identify your own needs. A little self-reflection right. is always a good place to start and why you want to pursue an online degree. And then you need to recognize the kind of support that you personally might need in order to achieve success. So what's important for you? The tutoring, the internships, the career counseling, right. the health classes, wellness, social clubs, all of these things go toward the university experience. But you won't necessarily get all of those if you do it online, for example, the social club. So you do need to think carefully about what you want and what is the best fit for you. So, and then you so need... It is that, isn't it? It's yeah. about finding your best future, yes. the best fit for you. So how do you do that? What factors should you... Well, first of all, anyway, a degree's cost, obviously. Shop, right. shop around and look at the costs and look at the content of the degree, the modules you'll be studying and ask yourself, is this what I want? And is this good value for money? Then you need to, uh, to choose an accredited university, which we talked about earlier. And then you need to pick your college major, the subject that you actually want to do. And uh, if we take a look at what's on offer, is it of high quality or is it, I don't know, second class courses we're talking about? Can you give us an overview of the kind of universities that are out there for on online courses? Yes, indeed. Uh, you won't be getting a second-class course. You're doing the same course as everyone else, uh, those students who are on the campus. So I was interested to see just a, a spread of well-known universities and see what they had to offer. So I looked in different countries. And I looked at the University of Manchester in the UK, and they offer... Which is a famous university. I mean, we're talking... They're talking really, really well-known university in the UK. Uh, yeah, definitely sort of top 20 in the whole of yeah. the UK. And they are offering a very good range, actually, law, journalism, humanities, architecture, social science, art, computer science, medicine and health, business, applied sciences, engineering and technology, education, hospitality, sport. And so there's something for All them. online? Yep, all online. That is extraordinary. I didn't realize that that world was so developed. Oh, yes. Right? And, and you know, you could. You can be anywhere in the world and end up with a University of Manchester degree. Yep. Out. Then I flew across the pond, as we say, to the United States, uh, to Boston University, BU. What, BU? Famous. One of, again, one of, the, one of the most famous universities on earth. Yes. 
And a place I know very well is a wonderful city. But of course, if you're studying remote, you won't be there to enjoy it. I'm sorry about that. Right. <laughs> However, BU or Boston University, they are offering law, journalism, humanities, architecture, social sciences, art, computer science, medicine, business, engineering, applied sciences, education, hosp hospitality, sport, etc. So there you go. Oh my goodness me, that's extraordinary. And then I, I didn't realize that, that so much was an offer at elsewhere. Well, I thought we'd try and do one from each continent. Um, oh, that's a clever idea. Yes. So then we looked at the University of Pretoria in South Africa, and they're offering law, ecology, economics, accounting, culinary science, agriculture and forestry, management, engineering, and engineering technology. I can't imagine how you do culinary science remotely. But maybe you can. Maybe you need a laptop and a kitchen. I'm not sure exactly. how that... Exactly. I'm thinking, oh, you'd probably put your laptop by your, by your stove. Or, I think you probably would. But I'm not really sure how much how that works, Neil. Okay. And uh, any more? Yep. University of Southern Queensland, Australia. A good university. Oh, yeah, very much so. Business, commerce, humanities, climate science, which is a very topical yeah. study at the moment. Law and justice, agricultural science, applied data science, creative arts, health and community, engineering, communication and IT, and English language programs and so on. Wow. And any more? One more? One more for Asia, I think. I had a look at the City University in Hong Kong, place I know very well. I remember going there once. And, and also very well-known university, huh? Yeah, I, did. I, I actually went there once to deliver some training workshops for them. It's a, it's a fine university. Um, they're doing innovation, entrepreneurship, creative media, and local culture and heritage. My goodness me. So, and this is just the tip of the iceberg, I guess. Very much so. There are goodness tens me. of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of courses out there online for you to choose from. Well, we need to go and explore them, don't we, Jeremy? Because this is a huge option for many international students who perhaps just don't have the ability, the flexibility uh, to fly around the globe in today's uh, complicated world. And so a really powerful area of, that students need to take seriously, I guess. I think if you're looking to get your university degree or to upskill yourself, then this is a wonderful way to achieve that goal. Okay. And any final thoughts? I thought it might be useful just to run through a quick list of FAQs this time around. For example, right. like where is the first question you normally sure. get asked. You need to think digital nomad. Basically, on the beach, on the beach, anywhere. Don't get sand in your laptops. That, that will really kill it. Um, but <laughs> anywhere with an internet connection. I mean, here I am in Kent today, Neil, being a digital nomad because I'm normally born in Vienna. Yeah. So the next question, anywhere, who is often, you, you, who, what's the who one? Yeah. I guess anybody, huge numbers of universities. You just mentioned it. Tens of thousands of courses available from thousands of universities. But the beauty of this oh is goodness. you can shop around and sign up for a university in any continent you like. And then what subjects, I guess? And the one thing I noticed was you hadn't mentioned veterinary science. You're quite right. I didn't mention veterinary science. Maybe I should go back and do some more. <laughs> Whether you need to have a pet at home to try out. <laughs> I, oh, no, 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 no. I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously, but, there, there are certain restrictions. I mean, listen, studying to become a doctor, obviously, at some point sure. in time, you actually have to go and work with real live patients, which you clearly would struggle to do online. Although, I know a lot of med schools now, and I've been to visit some, they take the students into a room, and there is like a robot, a dummy, 
lying there groaning so it hurts then of course the medical students have to figure out where it's where the robot human is hurting so possibly you could do that online indeed and of course time frame time frame this is a beauty you can negotiate your time frame with the university and around what fits you okay and we just discussed earlier support the support is available isn't it now online if you get stuck one one of the big issues was always that feeling of being alone. But as you explained from the Open University experience with the tutorial system and the team working together, I guess that's no longer an issue. No, I mean, people are accustomed to working through their laptop screens now, just as we are at the moment, as we are located in different cities, different countries. Um, there are, some of these programs, interestingly, have a residential unit built into the program. And I, for my master's, that was what I had in the summer traditionally, uh, yes. where, you know, I took my summer holiday to period and just went to the university instead of having a holiday. Yeah, because you have to think that university campuses are normally empty during the summer holidays because all the students have gone home. And what this means is the universities have all these rooms in the accommodation block empty. And that means they can bring people like you onto campus for a couple of weeks. And it's really invigorating, of course. Uh, sure. Because you, you get, get to meet the people you've been working with online. Yeah, you've only seen them online on the screen, but finally you actually sure. get to go for a meal together in the evening, and that's really nice. Yeah. yeah. It is. So all in all, it's certainly worth thinking about. There are lots of opportunities and some challenges. You need yes. the right kind of person. You need to be yes. self-driven. You need to be independent worker, certainly. You need to fill the gaps with different things. So if you're an active sports person, continue to do your sporting activities in the town that you're located in. But it does offer a huge amount of flexibility, doesn't it? It does. It's a wonderful opportunity for people to actually gain that university degree who otherwise might struggle with perhaps the costs or the sheer practical difficulties of traveling to a different country. Getting a visa. On that as well. Getting a visa, right? For many people with passports that is less desired the world over, it's a challenge as well. Thank you for that, uh, Jeremy. I really enjoyed that episode. And I think we need to uh, really zoom in on some of these courses because uh, they're really actually exciting opportunities, aren't they? Lots of exciting opportunities, Neil. Yes. Fantastic. And talking of exciting opportunities, you're in Tashkent. My goodness. What are you going to do this evening? I guess it's no pizza Hawaii in Tashkent. Mm, um, I haven't checked that one out. I saw an Italian restaurant up the street, uh, but I haven't been there yet. Because uh, I, the globalization of food. Globalization <laughs> yeah. of food. I mean, you can't go anywhere on the planet without finding pizza, Neil. No, but indeed. I think that, I mean, I'm, I'm actually going to go to an Uzbek restaurant Before. either today or tomorrow, and right. probably tomorrow. But then this evening, you're going to be proud of me, Neil. I mean, you know that I always get sushi from just around the corner in Vienna. I do. I found a Korean sushi place just around the corner here in Tashkent. Yeah, so there we go. In Tashkent? In Tashkent, yeah. Next time we talk, you're going to have to let us know what Uzbek food is like. I will. Uh, I've never tried it, but I imagine interesting. So I'm excited about that and enjoy your sushi. I've had Korean sushi many times and it's absolutely delicious. I hope it will be for you. Although you're quite a long way from the ocean. (laughs) So I expect the fish would have been frozen, but never miss. Enjoy. Um, and I actually, and earlier I'm in Muscat, Oman, and it's the beginning of the prawn season in Oman. Ah. Fishing prawn is restricted, and September the 15th is the first day a fisherman can fish for prawn. 
And so I found some delicious local prawns that I'm going to gobble up today. Um, maybe with a, I don't know, maybe the garlic mayonnaise and just well, dip them, I think. That's good. Mm, sounds good, hey? One of Either these, way. One of these days, Neil, we're going to have to sit together in the same city and go out for a oh, meal. I don't, yeah, one day, <laughs> one day, one, one day. day. <laughs> anyway, either way, enjoy, enjoy. I'll speak to you soon, really from another location. And uh, thank you so much for your help today. Thank you, Neil. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe and share the Find Your Best Future podcast.